I really just want to encourage each one of us to pay attention to and um, also implement just some of the changes in procedures that we as a church need to make as part of the COVID-19. Just response of that, this is just about slowing down the spread of it. I think we're aware of just how contagious it is, but also how it affects particularly people who are vulnerable within our community. We have a number of people within our church community who are currently undergoing chemotherapy, who have reduced immunity. So it's really important that we are aware of the procedures that, that, that will be implemented. And these will change each week, the way, it, uh, the way it's going. So I just want us to understand this is an ex- expression of care. It's an expression of care and love to those among us who are most vulnerable to this but it's also an expression of care because we have a number of people in the life of our church who work in hospitals who work uh, as GPs or in uh, allied health professionals they are feeling the pressure at the moment like you understand that our GP our local GP is just completely run off her feet and and it's an expression of care to them that we would also take appropriate procedures as part of it expression of care and love for those in our church who are impacted by this. So a couple of changes for today, just to let you know, I encourage you to read your newsletter, Uh, we will update through that. If any changes need to take place, in terms of what happens on a Sunday, we will email it out, communicate it as soon as we can. Uh, But just for today, the first thing uh, is in relation to our children's ministry, so we are not able to use our childcare centre until further notice on Sundays. So what that will mean this week is that our youth ministry will be using upstairs so go out the back and up the stairs the precious pebbles um, are down in the basement and for live wires where are you going to be today playground it gets too cold welcome to use the um, the, the rooms inside as well uh, so that's the first change and the second change for today is we won't be collecting an offering well we won't be taking an offering up an offering because if we're saying you shouldn't shake hands then why would you want to shake hands via a wooden stick that kind of doesn't make sense either does it uh, so if you um, if you do make a physical offering uh, then you're welcome to do that uh, now when the kids go out we have a response box up the back it's nice and secure it's got a little slit in it you can put your envelope in there or your money in there Welcome to do that or on the way out is fine. The reading this morning is from Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 to 14. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. 
Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Thank you so much, Tracy, And thank you to our worship team and to our sound and tech crew as well. We're so blessed, aren't we, just to be served in such beautiful ways. For those who might be visiting, I'm Cathy, I'm one of the pastors here. It's so good to have each and every one of you here. What I'd love you to do is turn to one or two people near you and I'd love you to share what you think it means to be a person of integrity. What does it mean to be a person of integrity? All right, some of you got to have some conversation and some of you had some deep thinking going on there by yourselves as well. So, what did you come up with? What, what, what do you think it means to be a person of integrity? Being a man or woman of your word. Excellent. What else? Doing the right thing, the right thing even when no one's looking. Who's, whose definition sort of came up with something around that? Yeah, a few of us. Anything else? Consistency. All right, they're they're fantastic answers. We're in the midst of a series right now called Magnetic, and we've been exploring what it means to be people whose lives are attractive, like salt and light kind of people, not so that we would be seen, but that Christ would be seen through us. And through that, that the Lord would help us identify who the people of peace around us are. Who are those people who are attracted? They don't yet know Jesus, but they're attracted to something of the Lord that they experience through us. And that as we identify who those people are, that we're able to really then intentionally pray for them and even consider, okay, what does it look like to take further steps in those faith conversations, maybe even do Bible discovery method. So I shared about Bible discovery method in February and I think the two Sundays where I talked about it was the world's hottest and second one was the wettest Sundays we'd experienced. And so some of you made it out and braved it all, but others of you may not have heard that. So basically Bible discovery method is really coming alongside someone who's looking to explore who God is and simply opening the word of God with them and reading it together and just talking about what you see on the page there. So after I shared that, there's a bunch of people in our church who have started doing that with people they know. There's 12 now who have started reading the Bible to explore who God is with someone that they know. And I've asked permission for each of these stories. One of them is a teenager and she started reading the Bible with her friend. She heard this message and went, oh, you know what, I could do that. So she started reading the Bible with her friend at the bus stop, which I think is just awesome. There's another one who is a young adult and she had a real heart to share Jesus with her school friends when she went through school and she would have the occasional faith conversation. It was all very slow, but when she heard about Bible discovery method, she was like, I could do that. And so she asked her school friends, when she went to the beach with them, she asked them, would you like to read the Bible with me? You know, thinking they're probably going to go, no way. 
They said yes. And so they've been reading the Bible for a little while now. And, and she said, like, we've gone further in faith conversations than, like, it's taken years to get to this far. But, like, now in such a short time, we've just gone so far in them discovering who God is and in faith. So we've got people from every generation, male and female, reading the Word of God with those who want to explore God. We even have a senior who has started reading the Bible with a 92-year-old in her retirement village. And the thing that I want to say is, like, this is so easy. Anyone of any age, any stage of faith can do it because it's simply taking the Word of God and just looking at it together as a mutual exploration. What does the Word of God say? If you would like to know more about that, come and chat with me because I'd I just love to resource you. If you, you think, oh, you know what, I, I think there's someone I could ask to do that with me and I'd love to know a little bit more. Love to have that conversation. Or if you've actually started doing that and we don't know about it, we'd love to know about it because we want to be able to journey with you in that and pray with you in it. I just want to say, you know, the times where I get to do this with the people that God's put in my life are the best time in the week, like just trumps everything else. So good. So I encourage you to jump in. Anyway, back to today's message. That others might be drawn to Christ in us through our integrity. At its core, integrity is about living with consistency, as Johann said. It's about knowing who we are called to be in Scripture and being that person regardless of who is watching and whatever context that we're in. Jesus was the standout when it comes to integrity, yeah? And it's not like for Jesus, it wasn't that people only saw him on his good days. You understand that for Jesus, he had people watching him like a hawk. And it seems like they were doing that right from the very outset of his ministry. Because in Mark 3, before Jesus has even called the 12 disciples, we have this story in Mark 3 of him healing a crippled guy on the Sabbath. And at that point, the religious leaders go, you know, we're going to watch this one because we're going to take him down. We're going to find a reason to get rid of him. And so they're very, very intentional in that from that point on. But as time passed, they weren't able to find breaches in Jesus' character and his integrity. And so they, they begin to kind of set little traps. You know, how is it we can catch him out? Let's, let's set some traps for him. And so in Matthew 22, they set up this trap around t paying taxes to Caesar. And then in John 8, they, they set up another trap, bringing a woman who's been caught in adultery. But for every trap they set, Jesus responds with, with wisdom and truth and integrity. And so by John 11, the frustration of the religious leaders just is growing and growing and they gather among themselves and they're like, what are we going to do with this guy, Jesus? If we allow him to go on like this, everyone is going to believe in him. And then the Roman army will come and destroy us and our temple. See, there's the real reason why they were looking to take Jesus down. Because they were threatened by him. But John says from that time on, the Jewish leaders began to plot Jesus' death. They actually wanted to get rid of him right from the start. But now they have this intense determination. And so in Luke 22, again, we find them plotting Jesus' execution. But we're also told that they're afraid of the people's reaction. Because the people have seen who Jesus is. They've seen his character. 
They've seen his kindness, his wisdom, his power, his integrity. The people like Jesus. And so the only way the religious leaders can get rid of Jesus is to pay Judas to betray him. And then they call in a bunch of false witnesses to make stories up for Jesus' trial. But of course, their stories don't agree. But even so, by public persuasion, they they manage to convince Pilate to have Jesus crucified. Even then, Pilate makes it publicly known. I find no reason to convict this man. This man has done nothing wrong. Even as Jesus is hanging on the cross, the criminal next to him just makes this admission, we are getting the punishment that our deeds deserve. But this man, Jesus, has done nothing wrong. You see, Jesus was known for his integrity through every layer, through all of the different ones that were watching him. Jesus has a consistency in the way that he lived. People knew that. He made choices that honoured the Father, not just when it was convenient, but all of the time. He lived out the values that were born out of relationship with his Father. The character of the Father was the character that he lived Like Jesus, our integrity is to be shaped by God. We are to develop a set of values that are continually being moulded and shaped by the word of God that we live out with consistency. There's a guy called Irving Goffman who came up with the illustration of our lives having a front of stage and a back of stage. You might have heard this illustration in other places. So imagine your life being like a theatre. And you just imagine that the front of stage is like where you manage your performance. And so it's how you want to be seen by people. It's the public part of your life. The image that you want to portray. Whether that's on social media or at work or at uni or at school or people that live in your neighbourhood. You know, basically it's, it's the image that we want to portray to the people that we think matter. And that differs for different ones of us, but, but that's basically what it is. The back of stage is who you are behind the scenes. The things, how you act, the things that you say or do when you're with your family, with your close friends, the people that, you know, are really safe and, you know, kind of like old slippers, you know, that kind of relationship, you know, where you're just completely yourself. Who you are when you're with them or who you are when you're alone. How do you treat those that you're close to? How do you speak about others behind their back or behind the scenes? What do you look at on your device? What do you like under pressure? When our lives are being shaped by God and there is a consistency between our front of stage and our back of stage, that is integrity. And can I just say, people of integrity stand out and they're incredibly attractive. They're actually becoming increasingly rare. They are credible and they are authentic. We trust people of integrity. We admire them. We tend to believe what they say and we follow them. All right, just to make sure that you're awake, I'm going to do a hand poll with some true or false answers. Okay, you ready? 
Okay, integrity is something that you're born with. Who says true? Who says false? The falses have it. Integrity is something that we can grow. Who says true? Who says false? Integrity can be lost. Who says true? Who says false? Oh, you're very, very smart. Excellent work. You know, if you had a graph that marked your integrity level across the course of your life, it would not be a flat line. You know this. Because integrity is something that can and should grow through our lives. But it is also something that we can lose. So we're going to spend the remainder of our time exploring some practical ways that we can grow and protect our integrity. Because if it's not a flat line, then surely there's some things that we can do that invest into integrity that actually causes that to grow in us. And surely that makes Jesus more visible in our lives. So firstly, devote more time to your integrity Spend more time on your integrity than your image. We live in such an image-obsessed culture. Everyone around us spends lots of time and usually money on their image, whether that's how we're portraying ourselves on social media or, or perhaps, you know, if you, some of us aren't on that but you're needing to own the right technology or we, we, we're careful about what we wear, we want to have the right face or the right body or drive the right car or have the right friends, go on the right holiday destinations, live in the right house, you know, the list goes on and on and it differs for different people but I think it's always been there right through generations where we worried about what do the neighbours think and our image kind of is really important for us. AOL did a body image survey in the United States and these were some of the results. They found that each week teen girls spent on average 7.7 hours on their appearance. Women spent 6.4 hours. Adult men, 4.5 hours. I want you to have a guess how long teenage boys spent on average each week on their appearance. What do you reckon? How many? Eight. You've had a teenage boy? What, 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 is, what do others think? 12 minutes. <laughs> There's the extreme ends. What they found was it was actually four hours. So this was an American survey, so I just think it's really good that we're not American, hey? Because we would never spend that long. <laughs> 1 Samuel 16 verse 7 says, Man looks on the outside, but God looks on the heart. Imagine if we just took some of that time that we devote to, to that image, that front of stage kind of thing that we're working so hard on. Imagine if we took off a couple of hours of that and we actually invested that into time that we spend with the Lord each week and, and spread that over a day-by-day -day kind of thing. And, and I don't just mean invest extra time praying for other people, but actually investing time in asking God to search us, search our hearts. Lord, what is it today that you need to show me about how I've been things I've thought, the things I've said, the ways I've interacted, the attitudes that I've carried. What is it, Lord, that you need to show me today? And allowing the Holy Spirit to convict us. And, you know, just bringing that, asking his forgiveness and making that commitment before him that tomorrow, with the Holy Spirit's help, 
Lord God, would you help me be more humble, more kind, more generous, you know, whatever it might be that he's putting his finger on, that we commit that back to him and say, tomorrow, God, with your help, let me do that. I reckon that if we were to do that, if we were to just take that time, invest that a little bit more in that back of stage area with the Lord, I reckon our integrity would have this massive growth spike. And I reckon the people around us would be going, I don't know what's going on in her life, but man, I'm seeing like, you know, there's just growth in, in her character. Because it's really observable when people grow in integrity. Well, secondly, to grow in your integrity, be clear about your values. It occurred to me that some of us may struggle to live consistently in line with our values because we've never actually taken the time to define what our values actually are. Values are the things that you believe are important in the way that you live. For those of us who follow Jesus, our values are to be shaped by God's word but they also reflect something of our personality. And sometimes things of our background come in to our values as well. And so I, I just thought it might be really helpful today just if we do a little exercise in taking some time individually to define what our values might be. What are the key things that inform how you live? And just by way of example, I thought I'd share mine. This isn't too draw attention to me and to say that I've got it all together because I'm a long way from that. But this is just to try and make it a little bit concrete so you understand what I'm talking about when I talk about values. So these are the things that God has been forming in my life so far. They, they feel really important to me. Anyone who lives in my back of stage area knows that I don't live these perfectly, but I endeavour to be consistent in them. And I know when I'm not that they're often the areas that God will just put his finger on and call me out on. So um, for me, generosity and stewardship. I want to live, what, I want to use what God has given me for his glory and for the benefit of other people. I want to love people. And so for me, you know, I, I just want to look for the good in people. I want to champion what God is doing in others rather than dwell on what they're not. And I always want to listen and seek to understand a situation and a person rather than come from a place of, of being critical and judgmental. Authenticity. So I want the life that people see and hear to come from a place that, you know, I'm just genuinely living all of the time. And sacrifice. So for me, I, I want to pursue God and his kingdom first. I, you know, I, I just recognise that often that means that I, want to, I will make choices that will forgo a better lifestyle or more comfort, or more experiences, or an accumulation of wealth, or better things, like God and kingdom is first. And finally, for me, dependence on God, and so I want to keep relationally close to the Lord, just taking time every day to, in prayer and, and in God's word, just walking in step with the Holy Spirit, allowing him to shape continually who I am. So they're mine, but what I'd love you to do is... Um, Take a few minutes and just have an attempt at listing what your values might be. What are the key things that inform how you live? So there's some pen and, um, pen and paper on your chair, or if it's better for you, you can do it in your phone if that's kind of a place that you're able to then come back to. But don't just write what you think are the right answers. Like, you know, this isn't a Sunday school class. I want you to really try and capture 
what's the foundation that God has put in my life so far? How, what's really important given what he's shown me and that I really own um, inside? doesn't mean that you're living it perfectly, but it's really important for you. encourage you to come back to this exercise through the week, uh, whether you've got some time today or some time through the week and kind of get that list to a place where you go, yeah, no, that that actually captures me, this this captures what my values are, not to say that they won't grow and change through your life but at this point in time, this this is the foundation that God's laid and this is what's really important for me to live consistently with and can I also encourage you to share your values with someone who lives the back of stage life with you because I think, you know, they're the ones that really see us and as good as the Holy Spirit is in pulling us up when we're crossing our values, sometimes we have blind spots and sometimes it's the people around us who love us, who know what we're trying, we're seeking to live with consistency, who are able to ask some very gentle questions of, are you sure that that's in line with who you're meant to be? I think that's really, really helpful that we allow that. Well, in growing and protecting our integrity, the third thing is don't make exceptions. Now, I think it's so easy for us to rationalise why it's okay to betray our values. It's just this once. No one will know. Everyone does it. It's not going to hurt anyone. It just popped up on my screen. I had a hard day. I was lonely. I was tired. I was hurt. I was angry. You made me do it. We have incredible capacity to have high standards for others, but to make exceptions for ourselves. Don't do it. Fourthly, allow God to keep shaping your values as they apply to everyday situations that you are living. See, values aren't ever meant to be just a conceptual thing that's over there, but these are meant to be lived out in our day-to-day. So can I share a current one that God's been challenging me to grow in. So our our culture is becoming increasingly critical. You know this. We're we're quick to judge whether it be um, people we know, politics, uh, things that we read on social media, things that come up in the news. We have opinions about everything. And so I was sitting with some friends following the White Island volcano eruption last year. I don't don't know if you remember this. This was a few disasters ago now, but it was toward the end of last year. But anyway, this is when it was. I was sitting with some friends and we were critiquing 
whether tourists should have even been going to this island and what were they even doing there. And, you know, we, we, we suddenly were the expert on volcanoes and eruptions and, you know, blah, 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 blah. We've all got our opinions. And, and in that moment, the Spirit of God just grabbed hold of my heart and it's just like, you know what, these are real people who have lost their lives, real people who have been significantly burnt. This is real suffering. And it was like the Spirit of God saying, if you say you're a person who loves people, what are you doing? I haven't called you to critique. I have called you to love, to be a person of compassion and prayer. And, uh, you know, I was suitably humbled, right? <laughs> but since that time, the Lord just keeps, like, it's like, you know, just kind of expanding that kind of challenge in my heart, just trying to take off, I think, some of that that critique that has gone on around us in our culture that's become so much a part of me as well. And so I think he's just been trying to chip away those hard edges. And so I'm very mindful that when I hear something going on in politics and I'm quick to have an opinion, the Spirit of God has been going, hey, would you pray for Scott Morrison? We've even had times where I've woken up in the middle of the night and the Spirit of God's going, would you pray for him? And then... Um, you know, things that I'm hearing in the news, you know, rather than critiquing the situation, like just having that soft heart, that, that heart of compassion, that heart that goes quick to prayer. And so for me, like that, that's just one thing that God's working on at the moment. But I just use that as an example just to say there needs to be this connect between our values and what we're reading in God's word to how we are actually living in the day-to-day we need to allow our hearts to be soft, that the Spirit of God is allowed to take us back to what we read and what we say are our values and make that connection with us and go, hey, that wasn't a reflection of what's going on here. Fifthly, own up when you fail. Because I think, you know, we're all going to fall short and people around us know when we fall short. Our back of stage people know and others often know too. But you know, it's our response afterward that will determine whether we lose or gain integrity. Admitting and apologising when we get it wrong, both to God and to those that we've affected, will grow respect. And finally, guard your integrity at all costs. I'm sure that, like me, you have known men and women of God who have fallen. Perhaps you've been dismayed by stories that you've heard in the, the media where, you know, th- stories that have come out in the Royal Commission into religious institutions or even just things that we've heard in the news this week. It really hurts when Christians fail, yeah? Even when we don't know them personally. I think a significant loss of integrity through bad choices has far-reaching consequences. It's like a, a, a rock that's thrown into a pond and the ripple effects just keep going and going until they hit the shore. We need to guard our integrity, not just for our sake, but for the sake of every person who those ripples affect. Some of them we will know and many of them we won't. As Christians, we carry Christ's name. And so for the sake of his name, guard your integrity at all costs. Would you pray with me? Jesus, first and foremost, we want to say sorry for where we've failed to live up to who you've called us to be.
Sorry for the times when we've cared more about how others see us than tending our own life with you. Lord, even in this moment, you see our hearts. Jesus, thank you that forgiveness and fresh starts are always on offer because of the sacrifice that you've already made for our sin. Just the word that I sense the Lord has put on my heart for this moment is draw near. Draw near to your heavenly Father right now. Know afresh your identity as a son or daughter of God. This call to keep growing in integrity isn't a try-harder, do-better call so much as an invitation by God to draw near. Lord, would you fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit and with his help, I pray that we would make choices every day to walk closely with you. Thank you for your gentle rebukes that keep moulding and shaping us. Lord, I pray that we would be attentive and responsive to your work in us each day. We pray that our lives would bring you glory and that those around us who don't yet know Jesus might be drawn to him as they experience his character through us. And that those around us who do already know Jesus would be encouraged and spurred on to keep living for him because of our life and faith in you. Amen.